Hello and welcome to the Thrive Online Podcast. This is our sermon series podcast and I wanted to thank you for joining us today. As we get going, I wanted to say that whether you are tuning in today from the car, the gym, or even your work or home, we pray that today's message inspires you and that it gives you hope and builds your faith. So let's lean in, turn up the volume, and get excited as we get ready to learn today. Today's a great day to be here because we are starting a brand new series um, called Flawed. Everybody say Flawed, right? It's a brand new series, and what it is is we're going to be looking, um, we're going to be looking at the lives of some people in the Bible who who were less than perfect, right? And, And the reality is this: we are all flawed, we've all sinned, but we all have hope if we put our faith in who Jesus is and what He did for us on the cross. Paul says it like this in Romans chapter three, verses twenty-three and twenty-four. He says, for everyone has sinned. Who, so who has sinned? Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. And as we look at the lives of these heroes of our spiritual faith, as we look at the lives of these heroes, um, we're, going to, we're going to see that they're not perfect, yet God used them to bring about his will for his glory. The verse, um, this verse should kind of give us some hope, right? As we look at our own lives, we recognize that we are not perfect, but it should give us hope that if we remain surrendered to Jesus, that he can use us as well. Now, obviously, this isn't easy, because if it was easy, we'd all be doing it with no problems, but we, we really need the Holy Spirit to help us. And so I'm going to say a prayer this morning, and would you join me as I just invite the Holy Spirit uh, to really speak louder than any voices that are in our heads, any distractions we might have, so that we can clearly hear what God is asking us to hear today through this message. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we come to you surrendered. We come to you ready to receive whatever it is you have for us. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way in our lives. This morning, we invite your anointing to pour over us and give us wisdom and understanding. We invite you to transform us. Give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, give us hearts that are open and the courage to obey as you lead us into a deeper transformation and maturity in you. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen, amen. Now, I'm curious, got a question for you. I'm curious how many of us in this room had a hero Growing up, no, no hands yet. Because I understand this, that the word hero might be kind of like a word that not all of us really like lean into. We might not all kind of totally agree with this idea of what a hero is. Because, you know, a hero could look different to all of us. So I want to define what a hero is. A hero is this, a person who is admired or idealized for courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. Maybe, maybe a better word that you might identify more with or you might embrace a little bit more is role model. Right? A role model is a person looked to by others as an example to be imitated. So let me ask this question. How many of you had someone in your life that was either a hero or a role model to you? Show of hands. All around the room. 
right? Right all around the room. We've all had people that we've looked up to, um, that we've kind of idealized. So many of us in this room have somebody that we would maybe call a hero or a role model, somebody that we want to kind of emulate our lives after. Now, I bet if we were to sit and talk together, if we were to sit and have coffee across the table from one another, we'd have uh, maybe some coffee, tea, or whatever it is uh, that you would love to drink there, like some water, or maybe you want a milkshake. I don't know. But if we sat across from each other at a table and I, and I asked you, who was the person that you kind of saw as a role model in your life? Who was, who was your hero? You might have uh, all kinds of different answers. In this room, there's probably a number of different types of heroes, right? Uh, maybe it's a family member in your life. Maybe it was somebody who, who really invested in you, one of your family members, a grandma, an aunt, an uncle, mom, or dad, that really just spoke into your life and gave you courage that you could be the person that God designed you to be. And so they are a role model. They're a, 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 a hero to you. Maybe it's a first responder. Maybe, maybe you, as a kid, you looked up to firemen and, and EMTs and police officers, and maybe you still do. And, and so you would say, man, I, I, I remember there was this person in my neighborhood. He was a police officer. And man, I just looked up to him so much. Or you see the way that some of them are living. You're like, man, I want to be like them. I want to be a hero to the community, right? Maybe for you, it's a teacher. Some of us in this room were probably greatly impacted by an amazing teacher that spoke something into our lives that went beyond the teaching of the curriculum, but spoke something into us that really transformed the way we thought about ourselves and what was possible. Or maybe it was an athlete that you looked up to. Maybe it was an athlete that you saw. Like I know for me as a young kid who loves sports, I, I looked up to different athletes. I wanted to emulate my game after them, right? I talked about this a few weeks, a few weeks ago. I talked about, you know, like when I would play basketball, sometimes I would stick my tongue out because I wanted to be like Michael Jordan. It only takes biting your tongue one time to stop doing that. <laughs> but we looked up to people. We emulate them. We see how they live. And now I didn't know Michael Jordan's character. Right? So, so like my emulation of him simply had to do with how he played something that I loved. But we all have people in our lives, heroes, role models, that serve a greater purpose in our life, and they can show us, they can show us a way to live. They can show us and demonstrate for us uh, a way to think and a, how we can live our lives, how we can grow in maturity. For example, they can show us how to live generously. Good role models or heroes in our life can show us how to live generously, or they can show us how to treat others with respect. They can show us how to prioritize our lives for maximum maturity. Heroes and role models can be great for us, but they can also not be great for us. Sometimes the opposite can be true of the people that we, we look at as heroes or people that we want to model our lives after. Sometimes they will actually, instead of showing us how to be humble, they show us pride. Sometimes the people that we look up to that we think are heroes or people that are role models, sometimes they mistreat other people. Sometimes they can show us, instead of a balanced life, they can show us an unbalanced life with misplaced priorities. So how could the same person potentially be both a good and a bad example of a hero or a role model? How can they be both at the same time, you might ask? Well, it's simply this, because all of us are flawed. We're all flawed. We all make mistakes. We all mess up. We all sin. No matter how good a person is in this life, there is always a fatal flaw that that person is going to struggle with. There's always that Achilles heel 
that they're gonna struggle with. And sometimes we don't see it for a long time. Sometimes we could walk alongside somebody and see all the good things and then something hits and, the, and that one floss comes out and all of a sudden now we're like struggling to understand why. This can be true of some of the most well-known men and women of the Bible as well. How many of you have ever read the Bible and thought, man, I wish I could have been like so-and-so. Man, I wish I could have lived like that person. Because right? we see all the positive things. We see all the great things that they did, but we forget maybe some of the struggles that they had and maybe the inconsistencies they lived. And so the goal of this series for the next few weeks is to encourage us by looking at the lives of some of our spiritual heroes and looking at some of their flaws, looking at some of the ways that they maybe missed the mark and then trying to learn from that mistake. And what we'll see is this, that even though they had their flaws like you and I, because of their faith, God still used them to do amazing things. Because of their faith, God used them to do amazing things. And God wants to do amazing things through you in spite of your flaws. This morning, we're going to kind of set the lens for this series. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 1 and 2. I'm not going to read that whole passage, but if you've read the Bible, if you're familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, you're going to know uh, right away that this is kind of the, the hall of fame uh, passage in the Bible where it lists off all these heroes of the faith. And one of the, the common refrains throughout this whole passage is, by faith, by faith, by faith. Right, And so what we're going to do is we're going to read in verse 1. And if you are there, you can, you can follow along. If you don't have it in your Bibles, you can follow it on the screen right now. Here's what it says. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. This is New Living Translation. The reality of what we hope for it is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Faith. Faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. One thing I love about the Bible is that there is such diversity in the people that God chooses to use to bring himself glory. The types of people, he uses men and women, rich and poor, old and young. He uses uh, those people who are kind of in the family, that he's kind of identified as Israelites, and he's used people outside of the family, all for his glory all for his purposes. And there's one thing that all of these people that are mentioned in this Hebrews chapter 11 that are mentioned here, there's something that they all had in common. They all had faith. Everybody say faith. Say it louder. What is faith really? That's the question that I want to take a moment to try to answer. What is faith really? Is faith a wishful thinking? I wish that this would happen. I wish that my life could be different. I wish, I wish, I wish. Is it wishful thinking? No. And yet many of us actually live our spiritual lives thinking that faith is just wishful thinking. If we really dig down and examine ourselves, is faith really hoping that something happens? I really hope that this, this thing that's going on in my life, I really hope that this could get situated. I really hope that this, this problem can get solved. I really hope. No, it's not, a, it's not a strong hope in something. It's not wishful thinking. The reason that neither of these two things is faith is because neither one of those things requires or demands action. 
Neither one requires action. Hoping and wishing doesn't require an action from you or I. That's not faith. Faith is not passive. To quote an athlete and a scholar and a wise man, faith is all about that action. Thank you very much. (laughs) Some of you get it. Faith is all about action. Now, you might be sitting there saying, no, 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 faith is about what I believe. Belief, it's what moves your faith. Belief is the starting point. Faith is the action that you put behind your belief. Faith is expressed through action. Faith is the action we take based on the belief we have in something. Let me give you an example. Two examples this morning. Number one, you expressed faith in your belief that this building was sound when you walked through the doors. Many of you expressed faith in your belief that people driving around you were going to follow the laws. You had faith because you believed something. How could you believe those things? Because there was evidence of things unseen. There's evidence that this building is sound, at least as far as we can tell, because it's been standing for 30 plus years. We have a faith in something that we believe. Faith is expressed through action. There is a very clear conversation about the truth found in, in, in this. When we look at the book of James, right? This idea that, there's, that, that, that action has to follow faith. Now, I want to make something really clear because there is some conversation about this. Paul says this. He says that we are saved by grace through faith, not by our works. So I want to make something very clear. When I'm talking about action, this is, this is a person who has said, I have a belief in who Jesus is, And because of that belief, I have a faith that is going to be lived out in action. I'm not saved by that action. That action is a fruit of my faith. Do we all understand that? But James kind of takes some time in in chapter 2, starting in verse 14. This is what he says. He says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't do what? Show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Can it save you? Can it save someone else who's watching you live out this life of faith that you say you have, and yet it's not followed by any action? Then in verse 19 through 20, he says, you say you have faith. Again, you say with your mouth you have faith that you believe that there is one God. Great. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? You can say, I have faith in God. I have a faith that there is a God out there, and I have a faith that that God is like kind of overseeing all things, and that there's, there's this kind of cosmic God that's out there. But do you have faith that is lived out in action, in trusting him, in living according to what he's taught us through his word and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Then James concludes kind of this whole thought uh, process when he is down in verse 26. It says, just as the body is dead without breath. Everybody take a deep breath. Let it out. As the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Faith is dead without action. 
Many Christians talk about having faith in Jesus, but where is the fruit of their faith? Many of us in this room say we have a faith. And the challenge we have to ask ourselves today is where is the fruit? I'm not, I'm not judging anyone in this room. I'm not saying that, that, that none of you have fruit that's going on, but you have to look at your own life and only you know what God has asked you to do. Only you know what steps of faith, what challenges to your faith he's called you to and whether or not you're being obedient to that call. Many Christians talk about their faith, but where's the fruit? Where's the action that demonstrates their faith? As the saying goes, if you're gonna talk the talk, as James says, many people say, are you walking the walk? Jesus himself addressed this idea that there's more to faith than just saying you believe. In Matthew 7, 24 through 27, he says, anyone who listens to my teaching and does what? Follows it, that's action. Is a wise man who builds his house on solid rock. Though the rains come and the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it will not collapse because it is built on a bedrock of what? Faith and action. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey, notice, obedience is the action. Obedience is the expression of faith. Obedience is how we live out faith. Obedience is an action. Anyone who does not listen and does not obey is foolish, like a person who builds a house on the sand, and when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Understand this, knowledge of something does not equal faith. For a very long time in my life, I had a lot of Bible knowledge. If you don't know my story, I grew up in a Christian home, went to a Christian school my whole life, kindergarten through college. Went to church every Sunday, every Sunday night, every, whenever the church was open and having a service, our family was there. <laughs> I had a lot of knowledge. I didn't have a lot of faith. I wasn't obeying God the way that I should as a person who called myself a Christian. I didn't have a faith. I had a knowledge I had an understanding, but I didn't have a relationship. I didn't have this drive to do what God was calling me to do. Notice the, the theme that is expressed in each of these verses that I just read is that faith is expressed through action. There is an, there is an expectation that if you believe something, you will act on it. When Megan and I met after dating for a short period of time, I had a belief that she was the one for me. I could have lived with that belief for a long time, right? But I had to take action. I had to express that belief to her and hope and believe that she felt the same way. Belief moves us to action. That's a step of faith. You see, what these men and women in Hebrews were ultimately known for was their faith in action. That's why they've been written about centuries later. They are called righteous and have good reputation because of their belief in a sovereign God, which led them by faith to act according to his will. Eventually. <laughs> because if we, if we look at their stories and we dig in deeper, which we're gonna do, 
We're going to see that not all of them responded quickly or responded correctly all the time. Why? Because they are, say it with me, flawed. <laughs> we're going to see that these heroes will, uh, that we're going to look at over the next few weeks, weeks were not role models because they were perfect. They are spiritual heroes because of their faith. Not a single one of them was without their issues. They were all deeply flawed. They can be an, an example to us by looking at how they follow God in faith, but they shouldn't be our best example. In fact, there's someone else who fits that role better. The best example for us to follow is Jesus. Why, do we, why, did, why did Paul take so much time writing about these heroes if they're not the best example for us? Why did he kind of highlight them so much why did he take so much time to highlight their deeds and their faith? It's because Paul was using this kind of form of literature. He was doing something special here. He was, he was actually creating this tension that he was about to kind of reveal to us. If you read through the Bible, you have to understand that the chapters were put in by us. They weren't put in by the writers. And so sometimes what happens is when we read, we kind of cut things off and we, we start fresh in a new chapter when really they should continue on. In Hebrews 11, Paul is listing all of these heroes of faith because he understood just how much the Jewish people loved to hero worship. He's building a bridge of agreement with them so that they start to lean in and start to listen to what he's saying so that they're, they're being primed and, and readied for kind of the, the drop of the shoe, the, the actual point of the whole message that he was sharing with them in this letter. He's working hard to get people to nod their heads and buy into the praise of these amazing men and women of faith. Paul is setting up what in literature we call a foil. A foil is, is simply this. A character who is presented as a contrast to a second character so as to point out or to show the advantage some aspect of the, sec of the second character. Did you follow all that? All of these heroes were talked about, all the amazing things that they did, and yet we all know that they're flawed, all so that he could point to this one who stands in contrast to all of these other heroes. Every one, of, every one of the men and women listed in chapter 11 have their flaws and imperfections serving as a contrast to Jesus, our true and indisputable, indisputable, perfect hero. Because all of scripture is about him. All of the Old Testament points to Jesus. Everything after Jesus points back to Jesus. He is the hero. We read in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, this is, this is what, what Paul says, and this is how we know that he's continuing a thought. Anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, you have to just pause and ask your question, what's it there for? He's reflecting back on what he just said. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, we have all these examples of people who lived a life of faith. You have all these people that you could look to, all these potential heroes that you could look to. He says, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that who? God set out before us. That is an action. We do this how? By keeping our eyes on, say it louder, Jesus. 
As a um, state champion track runner who sat on the bench during state, <clears throat> I understand something about a race. In fact, one of the races that I did as a, as a sophomore, one of the first races I was in, in the 4x800, I was running on the backstretch of my second lap, and I was dying. Like, I, was, I did not know what I had gotten myself into. And I heard a voice in the, in the stands yelling, right? And I stopped, and I looked over. And then after the race, this dad of one of, our, our, one of my teammates comes over and says, never look into the stands when you're racing. It slows you down. And I was like, okay. Never looked in the stands again. <laughs> we got to keep our eyes focused on the prize ahead, on the goal ahead, on what's ahead of us. It says keeping our eyes on Jesus. The who? The champion. The hero. Who initiates and perfects our faith. Notice the action words here, to run with endurance the race. How do we keep doing that? We keep our eyes on Jesus, who initiates our faith in him and is perfecting it in us. Not a single one of us has come to a relationship with Jesus, has surrendered our hearts to him without him initiating with us. Now, there are some of us in this room, he is initiating it with you right now. He is tugging on your heart and you're sitting there going, man, I, I've, I know a lot about Jesus and I, I kind of relate to what you said, pastor. You, you knew a lot about him and I've got a knowledge of who this God is and, and maybe who this Jesus is, but man, I just, I don't know. You are here because he initiated in you a desire for a relationship. He initiates, and then he takes the rest of our time in relationship with him to perfect it in us, this faith that we have to be lived out in action. The goal of the Christian walk is not to reflect people like David and Moses and Jacob and Sarah, or even the best version of ourselves. That's not the goal. The goal is, as Christians, to reflect Jesus. Jesus is the source of our faith. He is the reality of what we hope for. He is the evidence of things we cannot see. Jesus came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. We put our faith in him and in his teachings. We put our action behind what he taught us to do and what he showed us to do. We put all of our faith in that evidence that was unseen until he came to this earth and lived out a perfect life for us. Now we have a hero that we can follow and that we can emulate with all of our lives. I want to invite our worship team to come. Can we learn some valuable lessons from the men and women of faith that we read about in the Bible? Absolutely, we can learn some things from them. Should we model our lives after them? Absolutely not. <laughs> Jesus is the only true source material we should try to emulate with all of our hearts. It's his life that should inspire and influence our life. Earlier I said faith is expressed through action. The action that builds our faith most is living a life surrendered to the life and teachings of Jesus. Some of us in this room have been saved by grace through faith in our belief that Jesus is the Son of God and that only life, eternal life, can come through his death and resurrection. And so we've, we've gained access to the forgiveness of our sins that he provided for us on the cross. Some of us in this room, many of us in this room have made that step. And so we're trying our best to live that life of faith. But maybe our eyes have gone off Jesus. Maybe we're not really looking to him to lead us, to guide us, to show us how to live this faith. 
I wonder how many of us, if we were to examine our faith today, if we would be able to honestly say that my faith is truly expressed in Jesus-centered, Jesus-focused action. Is my faith truly lived out by following Jesus? Remember what James said. Faith without, without action is dead. Remember what Paul said, faith, without faith it is impossible to please God. Remember what Jesus said, whoever listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, but whoever hears it and does not follow is foolish. The question I want to ask those of us in this room who, who have said with our mouth that we are Christians, that we are followers of Jesus, we are disciples of Jesus, I want us to ask this question of ourselves, and I'm asking this of myself too. What actions of my life show the world that I'm living by faith in Jesus? What actions of my life are demonstrating to the world, are showing the world that I am living a life of faith in Jesus? They should be able to see my life and they should be able to see the fruit of the Spirit living out of us, pouring out of us love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Those are all the things that should be coming out of us as we live a life that is surrendered and lived by faith in Jesus because that is exactly how he lived. That's the life that he demonstrated to us. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, how am I demonstrating my faith in Jesus? How is that coming out of me? And as you ask yourself that question and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you, maybe, maybe you might say, man, I need to repent because I've been so focused on living life my way. By doing it my way, I've gotten my eyes off Jesus and maybe I've started listening to this person, this, this kind of role model that I kind of look up to because they, they kind of think the way I do and kind of say the things that I agree with. And so, so like I'm kind of living that way and I'm kind of like stretching myself that way. But man, is that line up with who Jesus is? Maybe some of us just, you're like, man, I, God's given me opportunities. I've heard him speak and I just haven't been obedient. Maturity is this, it's, the, it's the, you know, the shortening of the gap between when God says something and when we obey. The more mature we are, as we grow closer to Christ, the less time there is between his ask and my obedience. So I want us to take some time for the next few moments and reflect and consider what Holy Spirit is saying to us about the conditions of our life. And this is specifically for people who say, I I'm a Christian. Take some time. Look in your heart. Ask God, am I doing what you've asked me to do? Am I, is, are my actions showing the world that I live by faith in you? Hey, thanks again for joining us for Thrive Online this week. For more information about our church, go to thrivesquim.com and fill out a connection card. I hope you have a great rest of your week and we will see you next week either in person or right here on the Thrive Online Podcast.